0: This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley.
1: and a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com and brought to you by Assiniboia Livestock, for the most reliable and dependable way to market your livestock. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today we have an update on efforts to get grain trains moving west again to Vancouver. It appears trains are running again, although slowly. We have an update. We have the latest market outlook from Sask Wheat, reflecting strong demand and continued upward prices. Ottawa promises support for the Canadian Food Grains Bank, and there's additional funding for the Canadian pork industry. We have the latest cattle market summary from the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. The farm weather is in its usual
0: spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director, Jim Smalley.
1: This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. Rail traffic has resumed to the Port of Vancouver, but there have been ongoing repairs to portions of the CN and CP main lines from Kamloops all the way to Chilliwack. Milt Poirier with QGI Consulting monitors grain traffic by rail on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalition, which is members ranging from grain companies to producer organizations. He says CP Rail temporarily suspended some of its operations on Monday to repair the line west of Kamloops
2: which was to allow their engineering people to get out and do some work to enhance the stability of the rail bed. Something that we'll probably see happen on a recurring basis is my guess, particularly if the forecast that's currently in place comes to pass over the next seven to 10 days, and it's not good, they're expecting significantly more rainfall in the region. So that will not help things whatsoever.
1: Poyer provides the latest information as of yesterday.
2: As we sit here today, we do have some traffic moving in and out of Vancouver, again, with reduced capacity. We're just not quite sure how reduced at this point. On the grain side specifically, we have seen some progress made on the traffic backlog over the last week almost since CP reopened.
1: Both CP and CN main lines were closed for nine days due to mudslides and flooding from November 14th through the 23rd. A few trains have been able to navigate the line since then, but at much slower speeds than normal. At one time, the number of idle cars was in the 5,000 range, but that's now down to 3,400. However, Poirier puts those numbers in perspective.
2: Now, just to be clear and When we talk about idle cars, we're talking about cars that are loaded, but haven't moved for 48 hours or more. So just because we've seen that number go from 5,000 down to 3,400, people shouldn't assume that, oh, 1,600 cars managed to get to the Port of Vancouver because that's not the case. What that reflects is a reduction in the number of cars that have not moved for 48 hours. Those 1,600 cars that moved in that week could just as easily have been between Edmonton and Jasper as they would be between Kamloops and Vancouver. So we just want to be very clear about things are starting to improve, but let's not interpret these numbers to say that there's all kinds of traffic arriving at Vancouver now because that's not the case.
1: It will be quite some time before rail traffic to Vancouver can be classified as being back to normal.
2: The reality is that traffic has only been finding its way to Vancouver for less than a week, about four and a half days. And what's been arriving has been limited. You know, the first few days, it was a train a day. And then for the over the weekend, we saw a train and a half to a couple of trains a day that were finding their way to Vancouver for grain specifically. And the one thing to remember, of course, is that this is not just about grain. You know, we're only a fraction of the mess, if you will, that the railways are trying to clear up because we've got Grain, we've got potash, we've got coal, we've got sulfur, we've got intermodal traffic, we've got everything is trying to get to Vancouver and commensurately trying to come out of Vancouver, whether those are empties or in the case of intermodal, loaded containers that are trying to get off the dock and go east. So, grain operations for sure have been negatively impacted but even with no visibility on other segments it's quite reasonable to think that grain has not been impacted any worse than anybody else.
1: Milt Poyer is with QGI Consulting which monitors grain traffic by rail on behalf of the Ag Transport Coalition. His comments come from yesterday's Grain by Train podcast produced by Pulse
0: Canada, a member
1: of the Ag Transport Coalition.
0: Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This
1: portion is brought to you by Seedmaster. No matter what you grow, Seedmaster has the ultimate seeding solutions for better crops and bigger profits. Seedmaster.ca The latest Sask Wheat Outlook says global wheat trade is forecast to expand this crop year by 2.2%, driven by strong demand. Demand is particularly robust in the Near East to compensate for reduced harvests. Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting supplies the weekly overview of the wheat market. It's on the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission website. She says it was a busy week last week for world wheat sales.
3: In actual trades, Jordan bought 60,000 tons of wheat for last half June at 351.50. We think this is based on new crop, Balkan wheat. Other offers were much higher at $393 to $403 per tonne. Tunisia bought 100,000 tons of soft wheat at 382 to 388. And importantly, they also bought 92,000 tons of durum wheat at 674 to 684. This is delivered. Um, We think this works roughly to about $20 per bushel at the elevator if shipped from the lakes. Saudi Arabia surprised the market with a 535,000 ton tender for May and July arrival. Curiously, they had no June position in there. They paid $359.90 to $373.90 depending on position and port. Japan bought a total of 423,000 tons of U.S.-Canadian Australian wheat during the month of November at an average price of 481 Egypt bought 600,000 tons of wheat last Monday, which some said represented the lar- single largest purchase since 2008. U.S. wheat sales for the week were low, um, and they were certainly below expectations of two hundred fifty to 600,000 tons because they only sold about 80,000 tons. To continue, here some of the week's major news in the markets by origin. Starting with Canada, the rail recovery recovery for the lines west continues to be slow as rain was still hampering repair efforts. Deliveries to Vancouver terminals were small and will continue to be restricted. The Canadian government has asked the Vancouver terminals to prioritize feed grain deliveries to BC over wheat exports. StatsCan put Canadian all-wheat production at 21.7 million tons. This was about 450,000 tons higher than what the trade was expecting. StatsCanada put Canadian Durham production at 2.65 million tons, 891,000 tons lower than the prior AFC number. This was also well below the 3.6 million tons that the trade was expecting for Durham. Moving to the U.S., U.S. winter wheat crop ratings were unchanged from last week at 44% good to excellent. As mentioned, commercial U.S. wheat sales for the week ending uh, North 25 were below expectations. Total commitments are now 14.3 million tons. This is down 23% from last year versus the USDA's projected decline of 13%. There will be a new USDA WASDE report this week, due on November 9th. Australia. Well, lots going on here. In the December estimate, Abaris raised the estimate for the Australian wheat crop by nearly 3 million tonnes to a new record of 34.3 million tonnes. Despite the increase, Australian wheat prices rose to the highest level since 2008 over quality concerns. Heavy rains in Queensland and New South Wales have not only delayed harvest but have also caused some flooding. These regions account for 41% of the total 21-22 Australian crop. The milling wheat market was counting on Australian wheat to replenish milling wheat supplies. The potential losses could make the already scarce milling wheat quality wheat even harder to find. China reportedly bought more, more ASW this week, which presumably must come from Western Australia, as ASW carries a 300 herc hackberg. Harvest in Western Australia is progressing well in generally dry conditions.
1: Borsch believes the highs in the wheat market have not been reached yet and sees no reason to sell additional wheat at this time. That's Marlena Borsch of Mercantile Consulting in Winnipeg, speaking on the SaskWheat website.
0: Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney, brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source, 620 CKRM. This is your
4: realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Sean Haney here with RealAgriculture.com and Real Radio. I'm at the Grow Canada conference here in Calgary, Alberta. Joined right now by the new chair of CropLife Canada, it is Bryce Eager. Bryce, how are you? I'm doing just fine, Sean. How about yourself? Uh, Doing really well. Of course, also uh, the head of Corteva Canada, uh, as well Bryce's uh, day job. We'll we'll put it that way. Okay, Bryce, from your perspective, what are some of the key strategic priorities that CropLife is going to be working towards under your leadership?
5: Well, it's interesting because we're just in the in the throes of finishing up our next 3-year strategic plan and some of the key things that the team is really looking at of course continue to modernize and find efficiency in regulatory really really important something that we have an advantage and we need to display that advantage further as a you know as a country and the way that we we look at the regulatory environment there's uh, sustainability and you know it's not just a buzzword it actually is something that we have to integrate into what we're doing not only take credit for what we've done but also make sure that we're continuing to advance sustainability and then Finally, probably thinking about how do we make sure that we look at all of the next generation technologies and enable those to be used at the farm and b- make sure that the ultimate end use consumer understands the importance of them. So if we have those three things, I think that we're going to be in a, in a
4: pretty good spot. Canada a lot of times talks about when would be our science based decision making. We had the situation before the election where we sort of had a halt to some reviews that were happening. Are you concerned at all from your perspective that we're not necessarily always following through on that science-based decision-making, or how do you see it? Well I think that
5: the, the track record that we have in Canada is actually pretty good, right? So the pause that was put on back in August before the election, I think... What it allowed is uh, maybe maybe a little more uh, introspection to be able to take a look and say, okay, how are we how are we really going to progress? And and I know that there's a lot of the agencies uh, that are looking at how do they really really move forward and uh, get efficiency happening now and so for me that's actually good news because the the conversation that we have as an association is really really healthy with um, all of the the various departments and so the opportunity that we have is to just continue to have that advance very very quickly so
4: that's what I would say there yeah so I've been coming to the Grow Canada for a number of years and there was a period of time where a lot of the messaging out of this meeting was, you know, we need to focus on feeding the world 8 billion people by 20, 30, 50. Um, that, that narrative's kind of dropped off. Um, now is the focus about sustainability. Is that really what where everything's kind of enveloped around? Well, I think sustainability is, is part of
5: it and it really comes down to how do we make sure that we've got a consistent definition of what sustainability is and then how do we dovetail that into the work that's already underway. So we're going to have to continue to be very productive, we know that, but it's under the umbrella of continuing down the sustainability path. I think that what needs to happen is an understanding of, again, the definition of what that is and then making sure that we're still enabling all the technologies that are required for our farmers to be able to produce Healthy, nutritious, affordable food—that's
4: ultimately what the goal is. From your perspective at CropLife, and I know you can't talk about the situation with individual members. I'm not going to ask you to, but the supply chain crisis. Uh, a, a lot of members of CropLife rely on supplies from overseas. Uh, we, all the situations that poured, what's happening with containers, well documented. How has the organization tried to steer through that? Well, I think overall, when you when you think about supply chain, it's
5: it's brought it a lot closer to home, meaning. There are a lot of things that just happened, right? Whether we were, whether you're a consumer walking into the, walking into the grocery store, or you're a farmer, you know, wanting to get access to a product, and I would say what what's happened is there's a realization that you kind of have to, I'll say, war game it out a little bit and make sure that you have contingency on contingency on contingency, and really, really build out the best. The best plan that you possibly can with all the unknowns on the table at once, meaning it is like a great big game of risk where there's a whole bunch of things happening at once. You have to be able to do that.
4: This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or
0: many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official
1: 620 CKRM Farm Weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devon at 352 1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, light snow ending around noon, then clearing sky. Wind southeast 40, gusting to 60. The high today, minus 1. 60% chance of light snow overnight. The low, minus 8. Wind chill, minus 7 tonight, minus 17 overnight. Thursday, clearing, wind west 30 gusting to 50. The high tomorrow, minus 3. The low, minus 14. Friday, sunny with a high, minus 7. The low, minus 11. Saturday, sunny with a high, minus 2. The low, minus 4. Sunday, sunny, the high, 0. The low, minus 7. Monday, partly cloudy, the high 0, the low minus 7. Tuesday, partly cloudy, with a high forecast of minus 4. Normal high for this date is minus 7, the normal low minus 19. The sun rose at 8.46 this morning. It sets at 4.55 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot, Maple Creek in the southwest corner at plus 6. The cold spot up north, Stony Rapids, Hudson Bay at minus 22. Estevan, minus 5. Saskatoon, minus 6. Swift Current, minus 1. Weyburn, minus 6. Yorkton is minus 15. Overcast and some drifting snow in Regina. It's minus 7. That's 20 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the south, southeast, 41, gusting to 54. Humidity is 82%. The barometer dropping 99.6. Drifting snow in Moose Jaw, minus 2. Winds are from the south at 48, gusting to 59. Once again, Regina
0: this
1: portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com, And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizers just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. The federal government is going to provide $75 million over the next three years to the Canadian Food Grains Bank. It's to help the agency better respond to food emergencies around the world. Harjit Sejan, the Minister of International Development, took part in a news conference earlier this week.
2: We are committed to improving nutrition for the world's poorest and most marginalized, especially women and girls, by giving them better access to, to nutritious foods and services. The importance of women and girls cannot be uh, underestimated. Uh, in many countries, women plant the food, work the fields, harvest the crops, and then cook the meals. Yet far too often, they are the ones who eat last and eat the least. And that is why today I am announcing that Canada will provide $75 million over three years to the Canadian Food Grains Bank. This predictable and multi-year funding will help to ensure that those who need it most receive the food and nutrition support they urgently require.
1: Andy Harrington is the executive director of the Canadian Food Grains Bank.
6: At its very beginning, the Canadian Food Grains Bank began with a dream. A dream that one day, everyone in the world would be able to get enough to eat. Now, for the prairie grain farmers who helped to found the Food Grains Bank, that people should be starving to death in a world of abundance was an absolute disgrace. And they were practical people who weren't about to sit idly by instead they were determined to put faith into action and when a way to make their vision a reality didn't exist like farmers do they came together to make it happen i 'm always uh, inspired by how this organization came to be from our roots with business owners and farms on the prairies today till today as one of Canada's leading humanitarian agencies made up of fifteen member agencies working with their partners in our joint mission to end hunger now we 're still strongly supported by those same farmers. And now we've been joined by thousands of other Canadians in churches and communities across the countries. And what what adds to how remarkable this story is, is that our Canadian government came behind this idea of a world without hunger from the very beginning and for almost 40 years has provided ongoing and constant support to the notion that every person in the world deserves enough to eat.
1: That's Andy Harrington with the Canadian Food Grains Bank. Last year, the organization provided $49 million of assistance for almost a million people in 33 countries. In total, the federal government has provided almost $700 million worth of emergency assistance through the Food Grains Bank since 1983.
0: You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today
1: is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies. Small-town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com Saskatchewan feeder cattle were mostly moving higher during the past week. Acting Provincial Cattle Specialist Natasha Wilkie says prices were affected by lower volumes of cattle going to market and rising futures.
7: Well, this week, thankfully, I've got some good news to share. So a majority of the weight categories saw an increase in prices, and so we look directly at feeder steers. Uh, they only had one weight category that went down from the previous week. And so prices there ranged from $256.80 per hundredweight for the 300 to 400 pound weight category 170 and 25 cents per hundredweight for the 900 pound weight category. And so the largest price increase we saw for this year was in the five to six hundred pound weight category. And those guys went up three dollars and forty-four cents per hundredweight. And so they ended the week averaging two hundred and eight dollars and seventy-five cents. The only price decline we saw was in the seven to eight hundred pound weight category, and they just, you know, went down thirty cents. And so they ended the week averaging $186.03 per hundredweight. And then we look at the feeder heifers. They were also mostly positive. They only had one weight category that dropped. And so the prices there ranged from $190.46 per 100 weight for the 300 to 400 pound weight category to $163.10 per 100 weight for the 800 plus pound weight category. And the largest price increase we saw for the heifers was in the 4 to 500 pound weight category with those girls going up $4.39 per 100 weight. And so they ended the week averaging $185.06 per 100 weight. And the only price decline we saw was in the 300- 400-pound weight category, just those little guys there, and so they went down 29 cents per hundred weight.
1: What were the main factors pushing up the prices?
7: So, you know, I, I would assume, you know, the number of calves coming down again was down a little bit from the previous week, and so that's providing some support as we come off that, you know, the fall run peak, I guess, that, that'll help out. And then, you know, the futures markets, they were higher kind of two weeks ago, and so I'm wondering if that kind of support carried into that week, we saw a little bit of a decrease this week. So I'm assuming that the increase from two weeks ago kind of helped push them forward
1: a little bit as well. What were marketings?
7: So CanTracks report a total of 25,687 head of cattle sold in Saskatchewan last week. And that's just down a little bit from the 26,617 head the previous week. But it's uh, And it's lower than the 28,424 head market during the same week in 2020.
1: What happened with market-ready cattle prices?
7: So we saw the price for Alberta Fed Steers went up. It was up, I guess, at $163.88 per hundredweight. And so that, we didn't have a price last week, but we had a price two weeks ago. And so it's up $6.52 per hundredweight from that price report on November 19th. So that could have also provided some support for for our feeder cash
1: market. Natasha Wilkie compiles the weekly cattle market summary for the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture.
0: The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The
1: Source 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. See Nelson GM today. Grain prices were showing downward movement in early trading. Viterra prices for canola fell $15.60 at 965.52. dollars one red spring wheat dropped two dollars forty four cents at four hundred sixty one zero three. The rest were unchanged. Durham seven hundred sixteen dollars ninety one cents. Feed barley three hundred eighty three sixty four. Flax fourteen seventy fifty nine. Lentils nine eighty six fifty. Oats five sixty six fifty three. Yellow peas six twenty three twenty four. And feed wheat two hundred sixty one sixty five. At Minneapolis, March spring wheat rose three cents at ten thirty-nine and a half dollars 39 and a half cent a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports, on the Source 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574.
8: Assiniboia Livestock had their last pre sort on December 1st. 400 to 450 pound steers sold for 201 to 240. 450 to 500 pound steers sold for 210 to 220. Five hundred to five fifty pound steers sold from two dollars to, 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 to two twenty five. Five fifty to six hundred pound steers sold from one ninety three to two ten. Six hundred to six fifty pound steers sold from one eighty six to two dollars. Six fifty to seven hundred pound steers sold from one eighty four to one ninety six. Seven hundred to eight hundred pound steers sold from one eighty two to one ninety three. Eight hundred to nine hundred pound steers sold from one sixty seven to one hundred eighty four. Heifers are thirty to fifty cents back from the steers. We also had a regular sale on December 1st. Heifers sold from 112 to 123. D1 and D2 cows sold from 63 to 72. D3 cows sold for 30 to 45 cents, and slaughter bulls sold for 87 to a nine. This is Jordan Stevens with the Santa Livestock Market Report. Have a great
1: ranching day. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices for today, $165.03 per CKG. That's for both the Brandon and Moose Jaw plants. Coming
0: up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report,
1: brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. The provincial government says Saskatchewan merchandise exports are showing strong growth this fall. Merchandise exports jumped 25% between September and October, leading the nation with exports worth almost $3.9 billion in October. Saskatchewan is tops in Canada in month-over-month percentage increase. Trade and Export Development Minister Jeremy Harrison says exports have been growing at a remarkable pace over the last few years. Metal and non-metallic mineral products led all Saskatchewan commodity sectors in month-over-month and year-over-year growth, rising 409% in one month and 1,500% between October 2020 and this October. Other sectors saw strong growth, including metal ores and minerals like potash, up 78%. Energy products rose 73% for the year, while electronic and electrical equipment gained 70%. Over the first 10 months of this year, merchandise exports totaled more than $30 billion, up almost 25% compared to the same period in 2020. On the markets, the TSX is down 106 points at 21,056. The Dow has fallen 87 points at 35,631. Oil has risen 51 cents at 72.56 per barrel. The Canadian dollar is down 10 one-hundredths of a cent at 79.01 cents U.S. That's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast, brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit gowancanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture
0: Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good farming. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.